a really quick and exciting announcement to make. The Menopause and Cancer podcast is now also on YouTube, and I'm so excited that more people now get to watch our conversations. So the link to the YouTube channel is in our show notes. Please go and subscribe to the channel so that more people who need to hear our conversations are able to find them. Thank you. Hi, I'm Danny Bennington and welcome to my podcast. This podcast is for anyone who's been affected by cancer and menopause. I'll be speaking to special guests and menopause experts to help us find solutions to our symptoms and of course address the greater picture. We're going to talk about everything from mental health to physical health, sexual health to bone health and everything in between. Nothing is off limits. Welcome. In all those years of navigating my post-cancer life, I've met the most amazing people that have gone on and done amazing things. And I've always personally felt very inspired when people have kind of changed their lives and changed their outlook on life in small and big things. And I always tapped into those conversations because for me, I always felt I wanted to change my life in different ways, whether that was how I ate, to how I moved, perhaps to the things I do in my daily tasks, in my job, in my work even. And so today on the podcast, I've got two really brilliant people on the podcast for you. And I was going to call it something like um, post-cancer and menopause positivity, because that's how I felt when I invited Steph and Sarah onto the podcast today. But actually, I'm going to rename the whole podcast episode and we're going to call it Finding Purpose. Because only during the conversation with these two incredible people did I realize that at the end of the day, perhaps for me and myself, it wasn't so much about changing everything that I was doing before, changing my daily habits, the small actions, the big actions. Perhaps it was about finding purpose and being a little bit more connected to my own visions, my own goals and what that purpose was for me. And it took an awful lot of time and I think I'm still trying to find purpose and whatever that purpose is keeps redefining it's like the goalpost keeps changing and I'm not sure if you are a business coach that you think that's a good thing probably not but it feels very intuitive and there were times in my recovery that I really wanted to disconnect from the whole cancer community and I didn't want to be part of it I was already teaching yoga and I didn't really want to have lots of people that have been affected by cancer in my yoga classes, for example. I needed to move on and moving on for me was moving into areas that were disconnected from cancer. And only many years later, I felt I wanted to bring and share the knowledge I had learned in all those years with other people affected by cancer. And so it was a very natural transition to then host yoga classes and courses for people affected by cancer, to run workshops, retreats, to create programs for people affected by cancer. Initially, that wasn't what I set out to do, but my purpose kept changing. And I knew I had learned so many things that someday I really also felt I wanted to share those learnings with other people that had been through a similar situation to me. Now, I'm going to bring Sarah and Steph in. And as I said, they've gone on and done amazing things. But you might be in a position at the moment where you think, actually, 
I don't want to be tuning into people that have done amazing things because I don't want to do these amazing things. Well, if that is the case, then that's totally okay because we talk about comparison, we talk about judging ourselves and our progress and why healing is never linear. So I think there are so many nuggets of wisdom in this conversation. I hope you take away from it whatever you need on this very fine day. And without any more chatting from me, let's bring these two gorgeous humans onto the show. Hello and welcome, Steph and Sarah, to this amazing day. You're absolutely making my day. I'm delighted to sit here with both of you. Hi. Hello, Danny. Thanks for having us. We have, all of us have met in real life, which is just the best thing, isn't it? And Steph, I've met you many, many years ago at, I think it was a track stock event. Mm -hmm. I think I was cooking with people and you were running a coaching session, if I can remember rightly. Yeah, that was right. That was right. And it's quite a lot of, quite a few years ago. In the meantime, you've had a gorgeous baby girl, Mm -hmm. which is super exciting. But can you fill everyone else in about how you ended up in this cancer community? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, so it was a long time ago. I had Hodgkin's lymphoma when I was 15, 16. So over 20 years ago for me now. But for me, I guess, you know, I was quite young. So very different to an adult going through cancer treatment. So it kind of hit me when I was about 25, 26. So having late effect uh, follow-ups. And they said, oh, you're probably going to go into early menopause of kind of age 30. They that was not shared at any point with me. Um, and you probably should have frozen your eggs. So I feel like for me, although I had cancer treatment at 15, 16, for me, the part that I see lots of people who I work with, for me was when it happened at 25, 26. So, you know, I'm single, living in London, kind of maybe second job out of university. I decided to freeze my eggs, um, like having a best friend do it alongside you. So just you know, it, it wasn't how I would have liked to have seen it happen. And I realized actually, although I had cancer treatment 10 years ago, um, I was now kind of looking for someone to have a conversation about that. I think lots of us imagine um, you'll make a little cancer buddy, you know, but lots of us don't because you just got your head down and you need to kind of get through to the end. So my background is in digital marketing. I was doing that, but I decided actually I'd like to create a space for individuals post-cancer treatment. So I trained as a coach, did my mental health first aid training, NLP practitioner training. And in 2018, which was quite a few years later, I live in East London. I just put some leaflets up in cafes around the place and just kind of approached it really organically because I thought maybe there's not another version of me. Like maybe I'm just, I don't know, (laughs) hoping for the best. And um, 12 ladies came together. It was open to men as well, but it happened to be ladies. Came together in January 2018 and we just met at seven o'clock in a coffee shop. And we met once a month for three months. And then they said, oh, I want to feel like um, we stopped talking about cancer and we can move forward a little bit. So we worked out, all right, well, you know, what do we find most difficult here? So it could have been identity-based cancer treatment, could have been self-care, meeting our own needs. It could be how do I return to work post-cancer. So we put together a coaching program and the lottery funded it. So we're very, very lucky. And that happened for a year. So we delivered two of those programs and continue to meet with once a month. And then, of course, COVID happened. And for all of us, we had to learn to work in a different way. So everything got taken online. 
And really quickly, we went from one support group a month to um, one a week. So 48 support groups a year from 12. And we went from two coaching programs to eight. So very, very lucky. Um, we had pieces of funding in place and the lottery. I went to apply for one year. They said, maybe you should apply for three. And it meant that I could quit my job in marketing and I could focus on this full time because the rate was growing quite quickly, which I think is quite telling, isn't it? That actually, yeah, I wasn't alone in how I was feeling of, oh my goodness, how do I navigate this post-cancer journey? And now there are four of the coaches. And I want to ask you so much about what you teach in your coaching programs, because I'm, I, I know it helps so many people and I've spoken to so many people who've been on your coaching programs. I want to hear what you do there and how that can really help us move forward. Um, but before, I just one thing that really struck me is healing is never linear, isn't mm -hmm. it? Do you think you've dealt with something in when you were in your teenage years, but for it then to really sort of erupt like a volcano again in your 20s, this is so unexpected, isn't it? It's often when it's most unexpected, big things bubble up again and it kind of like throws us and floors us. And perhaps the expectation is by then we should be sorted, but actually it really stops us in our tracks. Fascinating. Sarah. Hi. I have come across you when I first came across Future Dreams House and I have been reading some of the online resources that are so brilliant. And personally, I've been affected by lymphedema ever since really my breast cancer surgery, which is now 10 years ago. And I'd read loads about lymphedema, but your article was actually the best out of everything I've read. I've already leafleted ahead and I can't tell you exactly what it said, but it was all encompassing. It talked about lots of different things. And I want to thank you for that because I know I've never told you that. Well, thank you. But apart from the lymphedema article, you've written loads of resources for people with a cancer diagnosis. Tell us a little bit about you and how you came to put your experience and your learnings into words. Oh, thanks, Danny. Thanks for having me today. So I had breast cancer. I was diagnosed in 2016. I was 42 at the time, two young children. And after my breast cancer treatment ended, um, I decided to set up a website for people going through breast cancer because I found it, as everyone does, totally overwhelming when you're going through um, a cancer diagnosis and the information that's available is is so overwhelming. If you go on, you're told not to Google, but obviously we all go on to Google because that's how we find the information. You just don't know what to trust and you don't know what is reputable and there is just too much out there. And actually there are, now I know, um, lots of really helpful resources out there that it's just impossible to find. So the whole kind of information resource access is a minefield and what I did after I had my treatment was to set up Ticking Off Breast Cancer which is where I wrote all this content that you've just mentioned um, for somebody who has been diagnosed with breast cancer. A lot of it's relevant to all cancers but there is a definite breast cancer focus and it's what I had wanted when I was going through treatment and it's very much peer-to-peer -peer support. It's not I'm not medical. Um, I'm not in a medical profession. I have no medical background, so I'm not even trying to give any medical advice. It's literally just, this is what I have learned from my experience that might be helpful to you if you're going through this as well. So what you could take to chemotherapy, what you can take to surgery, what to ask the nurses um, at one of your first appointments, all those things that with the 
benefit of beautiful hindsight, I wish I had known when I was going through my treatment. And I've written it very much as a, a patient patient, you know, you're going through something really dreadful. Um, I'm just here to hold your hand, that sort of thing. And, and giving lots of resources as well. So I've done the research so someone else doesn't have to. So I could link from, for example, that lymphedema article you mentioned. There are so many really good lymphedema resources available. But again, it's really overwhelming. It's really quite hard to find all the information and know what's trustworthy and what isn't trustworthy. So I've, I've made so many wonderful contacts in this community, including the two of you, who know more about things, much more um, knowledgeable about certain areas than I am. And with the help of people like you, I'm able to then direct people to the really good information. So Danny, I know you've helped me with the menopause information and you've been able to say, you know, this is a good resource that you could direct people to. And so, um, you know, it's a, you know, it's a group effort in some ways. Um, and I now have a few, uh, two volunteers who help me as well. So we've got two more people who have had breast cancer that can input. Um, so that's where my my web start, website started off. Um, that's where all the content came from. And that then transferred over to Future Dreams just as they were setting up their house for their in-person support. They wanted to have something similar online as well as in person. And they approached me and asked if I would consider joining them with the website, um, which, you know, Future Dreams is an amazing charity, uh, share values with them, um, a real common goal. Um, and I haven't looked back, obviously, it's just been, you know, an amazing experience joining with them. So taking up breast cancer now effectively sits on their website. Um, and it's great working with that wonderful team um, to produce all this content and share it with everybody. And in the meantime, I have also written two books. My first book is called Ticking Off Breast Cancer, which is really, I suppose, a bit of a memoir of what I went through. And I'm not in any way saying that what I went through was different or special to anybody else. That's kind of the whole point. It's like, you know, it was an awful experience. And when you're going into it, for somebody outside the medical um, world, we don't really have much of an awareness of what a cancer diagnosis means. And we don't even, we, oh, I think a lot of us only get our, um, you know, our insight from television or films. And so what I wanted to do was just to give a heads up to somebody who'd been diagnosed with cancer and say, yeah, this maybe is what to expect. And, you know, going for chemotherapy, describing what it is exactly it entails take away some of the fear that someone might be experiencing in that expectation of oh my god I've got to go to chemotherapy what is that going to be like so it was just that sort of heads up what to expect plus lots of checklists because I love checklists and that's really the basis of um of the website as well just checklist 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 and then in April this year my second book was published which is kind of relevant to what we're talking about today. It's called After Breast Cancer, A Recovery Manual. And that book is about that point when treatment comes to an end. It's been successful and the hospital sends you on your way and it's suddenly like, oh my goodness, what on earth just happened? And so many people expect, well, I think everybody to some extent experiences challenges and 
it's really just covering those challenges um, with the insight from people who've been there. I interviewed a number of women and uh, a number of medical experts as well to get their insight and advice. And so much of what both of you are saying is very similar, although you've gone off and done really different things. You've both been diagnosed with cancer at different times, different you know, different challenges, of course, like everyone listening to the podcast will have their own story, their own map of the world, their own background, their own people that are influencing them. And then we all come together. And for a little bit of time, we listen to amazing people like you, everyone else is on the podcast and our thoughts sort of just cross over a little bit. And in both of your journeys, that peer to peer support is huge. And I know whether you're reading an article that has been written by other people affected, it can be more helpful, can't it, than reading an article written by a medical professional, for example. And you deliver that same peer-to-peer support in your group, don't you, Steph? Just yesterday I had a workshop at Future Dreams House, actually, and a lady came, she's also written a book, and I thought, oh, why is she coming? And I hope she's going to learn something. It was a workshop on sexual health. We had an expert in to talk about all the moisturisers, lubes, how we can help with maybe sex toys or vaginal estrogens. And we also had um, a psychosexual therapist in. So we covered loads, but I was thinking, oh, she might know everything. And so at the end of the workshop, I said, did you actually benefit from anything? And the two things she said that were really, really key for her wasn't what either of those two amazing experts shared. It was the things other women brought into the conversation. And I thought, oh my God, yeah, that's, I know now, it was such a great reminder of how strong that community is. Do you find that, Steph, in your groups? I really do. When you bring people together, yeah. Yeah, because, of course, we run peer support groups, so that's, you know, I guess you have an expectation of what that might look like, a kind of classic support group to a, um, you know, there might be a topic that one person kind of brings or introduces into the room. But with the coaching programme, where it's a little bit more structured, you know, it's, uh, six two-hour workshops and we might focus on identity post-cancer or kind of self-care meeting your needs it's really interesting because sometimes it feels like those questions those coaching exercises are just little anchors kind of start conversations and the value that people do take from it is that insight those resources that are passed kind of back and forth you know and I sometimes speak with other charities about oh do you think when we create a coaching program we should have individuals who are at the same point in their journey to be in the same room together whereas what I see is like there's so much value in someone who is six months a year ahead I don't want to say ahead as in you know it's like they can pass back that knowledge that insight that you know great I found this article that's going to really um add so much value to your life or have a conversation you know with Danny who's going to really support you with your menopause journey it's so I just think yeah it's absolutely invaluable isn't it and and also to make to make a friend you know because I think we all know how difficult it is to find our community to feel like we can have a conversation with someone who to a point gets it. Of course, no one's, you know, the journey isn't linear, like you said, Danny. Um, it's it's individual, but it's so nice to chat with someone who you don't have to over-explain yourself to. And it is interesting, isn't it? Because when you look at so many people who've changed their lives, like both of your lives have really changed, of course, because you've had a cancer diagnosis. But that's the change we can't 
that's what we can't change. There's nothing we can do about that. That's happened, right? But you've then added more change, both of you and myself, actually, by really changing what we do in our daily activities. And it's become your job and your career. And Zara, you've become a, you know, twice an author. Like, that's amazing. So it's the change we then bring onto that. And it's the extra change that feels a little bit positive, right? Because we have control and say an agency over that. Sarah, it does mean though that you are in the cancer community. Same for you, Steph. Same for me to an extent. How do you manage that yourself, Sarah? I know in your book, Moving Forward, it's very much about, you know, finding life after cancer. How do people find that when they're in those communities, when they're in those sort of forums, in those chat groups, and when we're in it, how do we move? Do we need to move outside of it to move forward? I I think you're absolutely right there. So there's there's kind of, it's a bit of a multi-layered answer to your question, because I think so first of all you've got that without talking about me particularly in my experience at the moment you when you're going through cancer treatment you can be in support groups and you're on social media where there's a lot of talk within the cancer community and online forums and so on and listening to podcasts and everything and then you you carry on that after your treatment um naturally looking for where you're going to find resources that help you at that particular moment, whatever that might be, whether it's, you know, after treatment, it's probably something like the menopause, lymphedema, exercise, nutrition. During treatment, it might be more the coping with the side effects of chemotherapy, radiotherapy, that sort of thing. So you're sort of naturally looking for these resources of which there are many amazing resources out there from charities and also people um, like both of you and the podcast and, and my, my website on Future Dreams uh, website, etc. And I think for a lot of people, it's very easy to get, use those as a bit of a lifeline as you get out of treatment. And everyone is different and everyone has to move at their own pace and do what's right for them. But it is almost like you need to wean yourself off from these. So for me, I what I do now is not for my own personal gain. So I don't read articles or attend workshops or listen to webinars and so on for my own sort of personal well-being. I do, but they're non-cancer related. They're the sort of more wellness type um, resources. And there's like that, there's a sort of a bit of a shift from sort of something more cancer specific to a more regular everyday wellness specific and it's that sort of shift isn't it that we need people to realize that they can do they don't need to hold on to all these sort of cancer resources so for example if you're going to uh, your local cancer support group there's going to come a time where you might not actually need to carry on going and everyone is different and it, it's about finding that right time for you. And I think some for some people, it might be harder than for others. And then for me, my own personal experience at the moment is, yes, you're right. I am involved in the cancer community. And having had cancer myself, how does that impact me? Well, I think there's a combination of things. So first of all, I have very good boundaries. So I tend to focus my charity work um, 
on a Thursday, for example, and I have another job and I have two kids and I have a very busy life outside of cancer and that keeps me busy and I'm really, really focused on on that non-cancer related life. And then my one day a week, which does seep out into other days of the week, obviously it's a Tuesday and we're talking about cancer um, and that's fine. But I try and keep it to one day because then that's my day of that's my day where I'm kind of giving something back. That's my day of helping other people are going through something really that was dreadful for me. And if I can do something to help everybody who is you know, other people who who's going through a similar thing, then um, then I want to do that. So I have a boundary of saying, okay, that's not going to filter across every day of the week for me. It's just going to be that one day a week. And and also, as I say, it's also having so many other things in my life that are not cancer related. And and I think also there's it's probably also worth mentioning, and, and Steph, you probably and, and Danny, you probably both feel the same, that when you're talking about something to do with what we do, so Danny with your menopause workshops, for example, and Steph with your life after coaching. I don't actually relate a lot of it back to me. I don't actively do something and speak about something and get involved in something and think, oh, how is this affecting me? And what's this relating to my experience? It doesn't even cross my mind that I've actually been in that position sometimes because I feel so far removed from it. And I think part of that is having been so immersed in the cancer community since having cancer myself my own cancer experience has become incredibly boring that I don't even want to think about it or talk about it anymore because it's well been there done that I don't even need to access that information in my head anymore it's not about me it's about everybody else and it's about networking with people and finding the next great article for the website or talking to somebody about putting on a workshop and it's about it's almost like I haven't even had that cancer experience. And I don't know if that makes sense, but it's from, I think, just being so immersed in the cancer community that to some extent it's pushed my cancer experience right out of the window and made it so boring to me that I don't even need to think about it or talk about it anymore. And I don't know if that makes sense at all. Maybe that's the gift of giving back. Yeah. Because we know so much happiness and lateness and joy can come out of helping others. And there are many studies proving this uh, with big, big peer groups and randomized control studies. And I wonder whether it's something to do with that. One thing you said really sort of struck me, and it's moving from this being all-consumed, troubleshooting, um, trying to get on top of your symptoms uh, symptom management and then chronic maybe symptoms after active treatment finished to looking for wellness and looking to preserve wellness, increase wellness. That's the life after cancer, isn't it? I guess, Steph, this is what you help people in in your coaching programs because it takes time, isn't it? Moving, moving forward, structured into the space where you're not just all consumed, where perhaps... I, I remember going to counselling and that was my time in the week where I could cry and be upset and feel sorry for myself and really get in touch with my emotions. And then I kind of put the lid back on and I was okay until the next week. And I wonder whether people have a similar experience when they embark onto your coaching programme, Steph. Yeah, it's really interesting you say that because um, quite a few people say, oh, it feels really indulgent to like give myself two hours. You know, the programme's, six sessions only 12 hours over six weeks but people feel 
um, to sit down and go, okay, actually, what do I need? What do I want? What do I want from my life? Who am I now? You know, feels like there's a level of, I kind of shouldn't be doing this. You know, I should be like doing, I don't know, I don't know, a house job or whatever it might be. You know, those things that consume our day. Um, so yeah, I agree. Like our, at Life After Cancer, the two pieces we we work towards is to increase mental well-being and to reduce loneliness. And like Sarah said, it you know your mental well-being, what you need changes on a daily basis, doesn't it? You know, so what you need three months out of cancer treatment is very different to three years to kind of thirty years. And it doesn't mean that it's not there anymore, but of course our needs do change. And in the coaching program, I feel like the piece that we're trying to create is just to allow yourself to have that space to um, create moments in your day where you can have that awareness, whether it's, I'm going to brush my teeth, I have to brush my teeth twice a day, great, can we just kind of use those two minutes to just ground ourselves, have a check-in, you know, what do I want today to look like, do I want to set an intention, do I just, you know, want to give myself five minutes to sit outside with a cup of coffee, what's that going to, you know, how, how am I going to benefit from that? And and I think as well, when we think of mental well-being or meeting our needs or self-care, we often go to like these big, grand things, whereas they're often, they don't, I don't think they are that after cancer. I think because our priorities change, how we want to spend our time changes, um, they feel like they should be that. But actually, when we check in with ourselves, it's just like, I want a really peaceful life. I don't want any more drama. I want it to be easy. I want to be healthy. You know, so I think that's really interesting watching that transition in individuals, but also them allowing themselves to give themselves that when they feel like actually my goal or my self-care actions should be, oh, I should be, you know, um, working up the ladder at work and getting a promotion or uh, running a marathon. Do you know, it's like, actually, I just want to go for a 20 minute walk around the block and listen to the birds because that can have a huge benefit on how we feel. But it's also someone else talking a bit of sense because I know when for, for years my thoughts were just sort of going on their own adventures and I was kind of, before I knew it, years had gone past and I was making up how I thought life should be, how I should be feeling, how, and it's because no one bloody reined me in and it needed a therapist who actually behaved a bit more like you, Steph, a bit more like a coach. She was a bit more challenging. She sort of questioned why I was thinking what I was thinking. And it's the days when she said, well, Danny, maybe you're looking at your pre-cancer life with rose-tinted glasses on. I'm just saying, <laughs> maybe your life wasn't that amazing. And I know you say these things all the time. You, It's... It's just little nuggets of wisdom that can have a really profound effect. And that message alone stopped me in my tracks. And I was like, hang on a minute. My life was perfect and I am perfect, you know. But then when I really thought, I thought, well, yeah, of course, my life was stressful. I had three really young children. Of course, I did have anxiety. It's not just because of my cancer I now have anxiety. There were moments of heightened anxiety before. Four. And it took someone to sort of remind me of that. And I think that can be so helpful because if we don't, your thoughts go off and they go off and they go off and off, don't they? And they go on very long walks. They do. And so like it, can, <laughs> it can be really helpful for someone to go, okay, yeah, you're thinking that way. And at the same time, it, 
is this all based on truth or are there other sides to the story? Yeah. But Sarah, you're passionate about that as well, aren't you? About that yeah. moving forward, that new identity, that new person. Did you have to work on that for yourself a little bit? Absolutely, yes. I, well, You were just describing me where you thought, well, my life was fine before. So, you know, why do I need to change it? But then actually, when you stop and you look at what your life was like before cancer, you realise that it wasn't quite as perfect as I thought it might be. And, you know, without a cancer diagnosis or traumatic life experience, often people just carry on and they don't, you know, have that life-affirming moment of, hang on, what what is my life about and so on. And I think, you know, I would never, ever say thank you to having cancer and I'm certainly not glad I had it but I think because it was dreadful and it always will be dreadful for anybody but I think what cancer can sometimes do is give somebody an opportunity to look at what life was like before and perhaps reflect carry out some self exploration think about what are my values what are my goals and actually just it gives you that opportunity you know it's almost like a okay, this is a point in time that I've been given that I can reassess what life was like and think, actually, is that what I really want it to be like going forward? And for me, it was a very gradual experience. It wasn't a a light bulb moment. It wasn't a overnight. It certainly wasn't, you know, a matter of weeks. It and it probably to some extent is still going on now. I think we evolve constantly. It's an organic growth. But if I look back to who I was before cancer, I'm certainly a different person now. I've got different goals, different values, different things are important. I've reprioritized things in my life. And then even if I look back at the person I would say maybe a year after I finished my treatment, I'm still I'm a very different person to that person. You know, I've grown so much. So Yes, I had to work on myself and I did see a counsellor. I was lucky enough to see a counsellor as well. And I I also saw a coach. I did a coaching programme. I, I literally, as I was researching for the website, I was trying everything I could find myself. And, you know, there are some tools and strategies that work for me and others which didn't. And it's all about finding what works for you, isn't it? It's all about, you know, there is no set time limit. There is no right or wrong way to do this. It's about finding some tools and strategies that help you, that work for you in your own time frame and your own pace and in a way that suits you. And I think for some people, it can be a bit of a pressure. Some people might feel, oh my goodness, I've had cancer and now I need to reassess my life and it needs to change and I need to do so many things differently. Well, no, you don't have to, not at all. You're not you're not under an obligation to do that for yourself it's whatever feels right for you and everyone is different as with everything to do with cancer we're all so different and we have to remember that not to compare ourselves to other people so for me saying what I've just said if someone's listening to that and thinking well no that's actually not me I'm quite happy with the way I am now and you know nothing's changed that's great that's brilliant you know good for you but maybe you know, with that, that person has carried out a little bit of self-reflection. 
to actually come to that conclusion. So, you know, you, there's never going to be any harm in self-reflection. Um, but where that leads to is different for everybody, isn't it? And self-reflection is key. Yeah. And comparison is poison, isn't yeah. it? Because I think the whole cancer space has become so very much full of amazing things, you know, but... I had to really catch myself thinking, wow, it's okay if I don't run the marathon. Yes. It's okay if I don't go on the trek. It's fine if I just firefight, troubleshoot, survive a week, a month, uh, another year without doing any grand things. Um, Steph, for all these times that you meet people, you chat to people, do you meet people that want to give back like you do, like Sarah does? Because I meet people in workshops who often say, I, I want to share, I want to help. Where does that come from, do you think? I think it's, um, I think one of you mentioned it earlier about just a sense of needing a purpose now, right? You've been reminded, actually, you know, we're not going to live forever. Okay, so how do I want to use my time now? You know, do I want to leave Earth and make sure that I've left my stamp on something and I feel like, you know, we don't we don't know how much time we're going to have and we want to make sure that we kind of really use it wisely. And I see lots of people. And again, I don't think what that is doesn't matter. You know, that could be finding peace in yourself or, you know, publishing books. It's, it, it's for the individual for them to check in with themselves to work out what's right for them in that moment. And that, of course, that might change. Um, but yeah, I definitely uh, see a sense of, yeah, finding purpose in every day um it's really really important for those post-cancer treatment have you got a third book in the coming Sarah or are you booked out <laughs> no <laughs> you know the weird thing is that I I'm not a writer I was never going to be an author it wasn't something I ever wanted to do and writing my first book was actually partly quite a big part selfish because I found it really therapeutic to journal and to express what I was going through by writing about it. And that's really where the book came from. It came from me journaling and keeping notes and keeping checklists and then bringing it all together because I happened to be setting up a website and thought, oh, well, I can use all of this for blogs on the website. Um, but then I sort of put it all together and one thing led to another and ended up getting it published as a book. And then the second book was as a result of the first book, the publishers saying it went down really well. How about writing a second book about the point after treatment? And so, yes, I have had two books published, but I do feel like I'm a bit of an imposter author and definitely a reluctant author so there's there's no plans for a third book at the moment daddy you need a bit of coaching from steph with that imposter syndrome yeah. i'm sure steph could help <laughs> yeah we all have that don't we steph what you, what would you say to people who are listening to this thinking actually i'm really quite inspired steph and sarah have gone on and done really amazing things and i'm kind of like itching i don't know what it is but I know there is maybe something more to life than there was pre-cancer. How can we find out and go on a little self-explorative journey if we think, yeah, there is more to me. I don't know what it is. It doesn't need to be a career change. Sometimes we just know 
it's a feeling rather than a knowledge. How can we sort of, if anyone is listening, because I want, you know, to me, both of your stories are so inspiring. I just want to go up, get up now and write a book and set up another charity and get money from the National Lottery <laughs> for some of my projects, Steph. Like, I'm like, oh my God, this is all so exciting. If anyone feels like, yeah, yeah, what, what can I do? How do we find out? Oh, I think first, just give yourself permission to do that, right? Because um, give yourself permission to look ahead. I think for lots of us post-cancer, we're a bit scared of thinking 12 months ahead. You know, I often hear, oh, I don't, if I plan something really lovely, I come up with some great ideas, I'm going to jinx it. As much as we know, jinxing is not a real thing. It's what comes up for us. So it's just give yourself permission to, and play, have fun, you know? Um, and then I think in terms of uh, like finding your icky guy, I'm sure you've both completed that exercise of just trying to work out what your purpose is, um, is is a really good place to start just kind of Googling that. But join our coaching program as well. You know, we spend a lot of time visioning, um, looking at our present state, where we are now, where we'd like to be. Um, yeah, I think there's, it's, I think for me, it's allowing yourself to to dream, to play, to vision. Ask yourself, you know, what one thing this week can I do to take me closer to that vision? Um, share it with another person, say it out loud. I think it makes it feel a lot more real when we do that. If we keep it in here, whether it's good or bad, it, it, yeah, I think it's better to get it all out if we can. Um, share with everyone about the Ikigai, because I'm not sure everyone knows about the Ikigai. My husband talks about the Ikigai, but I don't actually know exactly. So tell us. Yeah, so it's a Japanese concept. Um, Sarah, do you know about it? I feel like you're smiling. Like you've yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> So it's um, the reason I share it is just because I think it's a great way of it, it gives you four questions. I can't remember what they are at the top of my head. Um, but it looks like, you know, what do you enjoy doing in your childhood? What does the world need? Of course, how are you going to make money? Um, you know, so it's kind of bringing all of those answers together. Um, you bring me up, Danny, so I can <laughs> share the right information. Um, and visually as well, I think kind of popping this stuff down on a piece of paper can be really helpful and it kind of yeah basically once you answer all of those questions um it will hopefully bring you to a space uh that just helps you clarify a little bit more what your purpose is but you probably already have an inkling of what that might be right i think it's just just begin as well my coach trainer um before i ran the first support group you know when you i don't know if anyone else does this but i spent so much time planning and oh i've got to get all the leaflets right and i've got to get the website done and she was like, oh, my goodness, just do it, just start. And I did, you know, and I think it is just about starting because we can create a lot of noise in our head to feel like we have to do X, Y and Z in, for it to be perfect. You know, whereas I don't think um, I don't think it does. I think we can learn so much whilst we're, we're doing a lot of this work. Yeah, I'm going to share the Iki uh, website maybe in the show notes and then people can uh, go and do that at home. And actually, Danielle, I met years ago who came to a workshop or an event, and she many years later decided to set up uh, groups, cancer support groups in her local area. And it's just amazing to see how we always sprinkle sort of our learnings, our findings, uh, and share them with the rest of the world. I just always feel so excited about it. Um, thank you both for joining me today. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, Danny. Thank you so much for thank having us. Thank you very much for having us. And wishing you both a good day and everyone at home. Um, I hope that you will feel as inspired by Steph and Sarah as I do. And I hope to have you back on 
the podcast in a few months time to maybe see if anyone writes in what they've taken away from the conversation because sometimes people do and I'd love to hear what sort of sparked their interest and sometimes like you say Steph they're to dream isn't it it's it's to allow ourselves that there is time and life and that we can fill it like with the things we choose to yeah fill. and to have fun yeah I think I think that really for me it's like play fun how can we be you know childlike with it because the 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 conversation of cancer of course is so so serious so it's just like okay if we're going to step into some visioning or some dreaming then you know really have fun spend a Sunday afternoon just creating a vision board ripping up magazines and not putting pressure on yourself exactly exactly if you've got children or you know nieces nephews friends around the corner with kids like I feel like those kind of things are also really fun for them to do and I think sometimes that gives us permission to do it when we feel like oh this is a great kind of family activity or something I can do with a friend over a coffee Thank you both. I'm feeling uplifted, excited, and um, as always, such a pleasure to talk to you both. Thank you, Danny. Thanks. I don't think there is anything else that I need to add to this fabulous conversation. However you're feeling, whether you're thinking, gosh, yeah, I've got something tickling, something brewing, I might explore that or whether you're thinking, actually, I just want to disconnect from the whole cancer community for a little bit. I think I've done my sort of being part of it and now I just need to move into wellness my own way. Then that's absolutely fine. And I really hope we all find our true and authentic ways of moving forward. There is no rule book. We can only open our ears and listen to other people's experiences, maybe take some tips and ideas on board and dismiss many others. And with that, I wish you a good week. As always, if you have a moment, could you please rate and follow the show so that other people in a similar situation can find our content. And I know it's really difficult to work out how we can actually leave a review, but if you can be a little bit of a detective and try and figure out how you could leave a short review on the podcast, it would mean the world to me. With that, I leave you. I send you on your ways, I hope with a little bit of positivity from today's podcast episode. And I can't wait to chat to you again next week. Bye.